You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. We are in this to make a discovery. Uh, we are in this to sell this company and uh, make money just like the rest of our shareholders do. We're going to be drilling in just a, a matter of days. I don't anticipate we'll stop drilling for the next six to nine months. That's that's my plan. We spent a, a, an awful lot of work putting together this portfolio with the idea that when the time is right, we're going to raise money and put it into the ground. And the time is now. And now it's all about putting the money into the ground and looking for that billion dollar drill hole that we seek. Thank you for tuning in to Mining Stock Education. I'm your host, Bill Powers. And today we're going to be doing a company profile interview. And the company I introduced to you today, I wish I had actually bought back in February 2020 of this year when I was discussing with uh, then with its current CEO about its value and potential. That was before Mr. Sprott, Eric Sprott, and his group invested in the company. But even with the notoriety and the share price bump that comes with Mr. Sprott's investment, I find the current risk reward uh, investment proposition very compelling so i am going to be participating in the current financing that will be closing later this month i'm talking about ore finders resources the ticker is orx in toronto and orfdf on the otc the ceo joins me today his name is mr stephen stewart stephen is actually a returning guest about 18 months ago stephen was on the show not to talk about his company then but rather to discuss attracting and retaining the next generation of mining company management as he is a leader with the young mining professionals group that is concerned about this topic but for today's show he's going to be talking exclusively about ore finders resources and the investment proposition that it presents to the market. So with that introduction, Stephen, welcome back to the show. Bill, pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. And I'd like you to start off by sharing a little more about your background, uh, your group's background, and your past success. I don't think the market is aware uh, fully of your past success, which you shared with me back in February when we were originally chatting about your company. Uh, please share a little more about your background. Uh, sure, happy to. So I I grew up in the mining industry. My father was a mining lawyer, and uh, I always worked side by side with him, and I still do. He's still involved in all of our companies. So I, in a sense, I grew up uh, discussing and thinking about this industry at the at the breakfast table and the dinner table. Uh, formally speaking, my background is in finance, so I I, um, I understand how money works and how things are valued. That's really been my focus. And, um, and I, I apply that towards the junior mining industry, which isn't really high finance, but certainly it, it you know, dollars and cents matters. Uh, and in terms of my past successes, our group, I guess, largely is known for being the assembler of what became the Cote Lake project. And we drilled the discovery hole and we were significant shareholders uh, in Trelawney when it was sold back in 2012 to the IM Gold or IM Gold. Uh, for over 600, almost 700 million dollars. Um, so that was one of our big wins. And we were also involved with uh, the early days of what's now called the Ring of Fire, Fire in Northern Ontario, which is a phenomenal uh, world-class deposit up there that sadly has fallen on hard times due to infrastructure and uh, issues. But that has been our background. But ever since uh, 2015, uh, we have been involved with ore finders and uh, other companies which are in its portfolio. 
when uh, a new speculator or investor is looking at a potential exploration and development company, one of the things, as you know, we need to look at is the management's perspective. Can we trust them with our money? And one of the first things you look at to see is how do they compensate themselves? Share a little bit about your perspective on the whole idea of founder shares, options, how have you bought your shares? When do you plan to sell your shares? Uh, okay, good question. Uh, firstly, I pay myself $10,000 a month. Uh, very simple. Um, in terms of founder shares, there are zero founder shares that I have received from Warfinders or ac actually from any of the companies I'm involved with, and I'm, and I'm involved with a few. So I have bought uh, with cash uh, every single share that I own, vis-a-vis -vis on market or in a private placement. Uh, and I typically participate in every single private placement I'm involved with. Not everyone, but but most. So I am directly aligned with shareholders in that sense. If someone sees you selling in the open market, what should they think? They should sell too. So, <laughs> okay. um, you know, no, frankly, I mean, you know, unless we have a tremendous success and we are, you know, multi-dollar stock, uh, I don't believe that any anybody sitting in my seat uh, should be selling their shares while uh, trying to convince the public that they should be buying those very same shares. That's that that sends the, the wrong message. We are in this to make a discovery. Uh, we are in this to sell this company uh, and uh, make money just like the rest of our shareholders do. And I'll note that, you know, I do pay myself, of course, a salary. I think I earn every penny of it. But I will also note that in the last number of years, I've put more money into this company than than my salary by by quite a distance, I would imagine. I own about 5 million shares in Orfiners. So you're an investor even more so than an employee. Well, that's the only way I'm going to make money. I mean, nobody got rich off a of salary. I'm in this business um, to to make substantial money. And um, I think with Orfinders, we're in a good position to do that. So, you know, $10,000 a month is, is, uh, pays the rent, so to speak. But I, I'm here to make 10, 20, 50 times my money. Stephen, when we spoke 18 months ago in that initial interview, I remember you sharing with me that your approach was to acquire assets and at that time you weren't particularly focused on drilling because you just didn't feel like the market would reward that and that would at that time it wouldn't be in the best interest of shareholders. However, when we spoke in February, your mentality and your outlook seemed to change. Can you talk to us now about the per what you've done in the last few years with Orfinders to set yourself up for what you're about to do right now. Sure. Well, you're you're absolutely right. From 2015 to December 2019, Orfinders had a very clear philosophy, which we were very forthright with investors, and we said we refused to drill uh, all else equal. It just didn't provide the appropriate return on investment, which we 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 seek, which starts at 10 times your money, and also the cost of capital was too high, meaning we had to give away 25, 30 percent of our company to do any drill program of significance. So our share price was too low. And if you met or exceeded expectations, it was often met with a liquidity event. Now, if you made a world-class discovery like a Hemlo or a Voises Bay, uh, you know, that would have been uh, uh, superseded, but that's not really um, an investment proposition that we were interested in. But we're, we're most interested in mitigating the risk. And so we saw the opportunity to take advantage of the market. The market was a down market and we could buy other people's projects that uh, they were having a hard time raising money for. And so Orfinders really developed this portfolio. We now have six assets. Uh, we accumulated them in a down market and perhaps more importantly, we accumulated them uh, largely out of distressed or call it unique situations. So we bought 
problems that we believe we can sell in a down market. And now uh, we announce if, if people go to our news release December 30th, we announced before you know anything the gold market really started to move. We felt that the pivot was in place, and what I mean by that, it was time to go back to the drill bit. We feel and and felt that investors are going to start to pay for. Uh, quality results and discovery, and so we've had we've developed this portfolio. We bought it cheap, and now we're uh, cashing ourselves up. We've got two million in the in the treasury. We've got uh, another probably eight million in marketable securities, and we just announced a two million dollar financing that's closing in in uh, in a few weeks. That's going to give us a great position. And now it's all about putting the money into the ground and looking for that billion dollar drill hole that we seek. Great. And I want to talk about the fundamental value uh, in your company. So if I do uh, just some quick back of the napkin math, your market cap as we speak is about 20 million and your enterprise value would be about 10 million. Is that correct? That's that's fair to say with our cash. And if you strip out our cash and marketable securities, yes. Okay, so with a $10 million enterprise value, let's first talk about your projects, your three projects, Knight, McGarry, and Murado. Where's the value currently before you begin to drill these projects? Well, I guess you could say the value is retained in the ounces in the ground, and not all ounces are created equal, as we should know. However, each of those projects has uh, either 43-101 or historical ounces in the neighborhood collectively of, of about a million. And you can attribute uh, all sorts of uh, different multiples on a, on a per ounce basis. If you were, but if you're going to uh, if you're going to attribute a million dollars relative or a million ounces relative to our market cap, that's a you know ten dollars an ounce, which is extremely low. So I think our enterprise value is quite attractive at this point in time. Then you also have three equity stakes in companies. Talk to us about this, please. That's correct. We own three positions, I would say control block positions, one in Mustango River Resources, which we acquired vis-a-vis -a, -vis a hostile proxy battle uh, that ended last year. And we've got a very exciting project uh, in Kirkland Lake that we're going to be drilling extensively uh, very soon. It's right beside all of Orefinder's uh, assets as well. So that's why we got attracted to that project. Uh, as well, we have about an 8% position in a company called Power Ore, P-O-R-E, on the Toronto Venture Exchange. It owns a very sexy uh, uh, copper gold, uh, very large-scale mine that was operated by Falconbridge. They took out a billion, uh, 1.5 billion pounds of copper, a million ounces of gold out of that. And we spun that off in 2018 because it uh, we had a non-core asset that we weren't getting any value for. It was it was uh, not a gold asset, and then uh, went on to create that company. And then last, we've got a 26% interest in a company called Pacific Precious. Pacific Precious is a private company, and its planned uh, IPO is later uh, this year in Q4. It's led by a gentleman by the name of Ron Stewart. Ron is not related. We just happened to to be from the same <laughs> clan in Scotland, if you go back uh, far enough, I suppose. Uh, but uh, that focus is going to be in Nevada. It controls uh, a project right beside uh, Barracks uh, Gold Rush, which is a monster deposit. And, and I think investors can anticipate uh, that company to grow in terms of its portfolio in Nevada as well. Okay, so you're raising $2 million. You'll have about $4 million in the Treasury. How are you going to spend that to advance these projects? We're going to put as much of that into the ground as possible, as I said before. And as, as we said in December, we believe the time is now to put it into the ground and make a discovery. Uh, the accumulation of these assets was phase one, now phase two is, is to drill. And so uh, a couple weeks ago, we put out a news release that we're going to be drilling our night project, uh, 
which is uh, just about 60 kilometers west of Kirkland Lake. We've got 5,000 meters planned. I think investors can expect us to probably double that when we close this financing. So that'll be a first drill program. Um, we'll, it's got a, a very attractive um, discovery drill target on it. We're going to put about 10% of those meters into, a, as I said, a discovery target. Uh, it's sort of binary. If we hit it, it's going to be very interesting, potentially game-changing. If we miss it, it's no big deal. Uh, the, the vast majority of those uh, meters are going to go towards our Tyranite project, which is a, an existing high-grade mine, more traditional style. It's got very good uh, historical intersects. Uh, now we're going deeper and we're going laterally. So we're going to be expanding those resources. So that's that's our first drill program on the night. Then we'll subsequently uh, pull the drill over to our McGarry project, which is about 20 kilometers west of Kirkland Lake. And uh, it's beside the Kerr-Addison, which was a world-class 12 million ounce high-grade uh, producer. We have the same style of mineralization on there. Again, we'll have a uh, sort of a two-pronged drill drill program approach. One is some, call it lower hanging fruit on known mineralization, which is right beside the Kerr-Addison. We'll, we'll look to expand our existing resource there, which we have an eight gram per ton resource there. But also there's, on the McGarry, there's about a kilometer and a half of strike length on the Cadillac break, which is a world-class fault where all this gold in Kirkland Lake came from. It's really never been drilled. And so that's going to be the discovery uh, aspect, and investors can expect us to come out with probably a seven or eight thousand meter drill program uh, towards the end of, of this year on that one as well. So details to come forth on the McGarry, and and our last project's called Murado. We've got about uh, four hundred and fifty thousand ounces in an open pit there. We we view that as having multi-million ounce potential, but it's really just a function of drilling it out. Uh, without getting too technical in it, it's just step out, step out drilling. Uh, but there's definitely potential to grow that, and and all these assets. I'll, I'll note that you know, our McGarry, our Knight, and our Murado, and of course our the assets that are also we have direct exposure to in, in Nistango, are all very proximal. They're all you know next door neighbors, and that's that was by design, certainly not by accident. I, I do believe that. Uh, and I've been vocal about this that M&A is inevitable in this industry, and and ore finders in Mustango and all of our, our properties have, have really put ourselves in front of what we see as a coming wave of M&A. Uh, not that we're waiting on being bought, it, bought out far from it. We're going to go and uh, you know, drill our own properties and see what happens. But you know, we plan to make ourselves so attractive that the, the, the big guys, the guys that build mines and operate mines just can't resist. Steve, speculators that focus on Canadian mining stocks will understand the significance uh, geologically and location of your projects and why it's so good. But perhaps those that don't pay as much attention to Canada, or maybe they're newer to investing and speculating in mining stocks. You mentioned Kirkland Lake. Can you elaborate a little more on the grade and the resource at Kirkland Lake and why where your projects are located are is just so excellent? Sure. Well, Kirkland Lake can be defined as the third largest gold ore body in the history of the world. Not many people know that, but Kirkland Lake or, or Kirkland Lake Gold, the corporation, now mines the highest grade mine in the world. Uh, it's called Macasa. And the Macasa next year is going to be pulling out 400,000 ounces at nearly 20 grams per ton, which is just phenomenal. 
and they've just made a new discovery there called the South Mine Complex, which they think is going to be putting that uh, mine in operation for the next 30, 40 years. I mean, so who said mining is not sustainable? And so, so that is, uh, I guess, the big dog in Kirkland Lake Town is the Kirkland Lake Mine. Now, just about 20 kilometers to the east of that is something called the Curradison. I mentioned that before. We're right beside that on the McGarry. That mine was also in its day world class. And these two, these two mines really um, are the goalposts uh, of the Cadillac break on the Ontario side, which is by no other, uh, no exaggeration, is a world-class fault system, which is just a crack in the earth uh, where these uh, hydrothermal uh, fluids carrying the gold um, can seep into and deposit these gold over millions of years. Uh, there is another ore body uh, lurking in between those two world-class monsters, and we are uh, we are the third largest landowner collectively in that region between those two projects, aside from Kirkland Lake Gold themselves, multi-billion-dollar company, as well as Agnico Eagle, the the other major in the area. So those are the two big dogs, and then it's us. So we think we are phenomenally well positioned. I also think it's unique that at your McGarry projects, you own a tailings facility uh, right next to the Kerr-Addison. So as I was going through your presentation, I, the word that came to mind was ransom. It's almost like you have a ransom on that project, don't you? Well, I don't know if I'd use that word, but certainly strategic would be the word would, would come to mind. Uh, the the Kerr-Addison itself right now, as I said, it's it shut down. It's high-grade underground mine in 96, uh, but it has been reinterpreted into a open pit type of uh, deposit and uh, that's going to get it's a, it's a big it's a big deposit too so that's going to get a lot of attention and as you know I own the tailings facility or I should say ore finders uh, owns the tailings facility on its McGarry project that is not an insignificant fact so it is it is my belief that whoever uh, buys the Kerr Addison and somebody is going to buy the Kerr Addison somebody large I think uh, they are going to require our property because they need to put that waste material somewhere. Now, again, that's not our strategy, but that's a nice uh, uh, card to have in our back pocket. Uh, however, the McGarry, I think, offers the potential to discover its own Curradison 2.0 on it. And, and that's ultimately why we're there. We're not there to be in a blocking position. We're there to discover an ore body and sell it to the highest bidder. Um, but if having uh, the tailings facility is, is a plus, well, then we have that plus. What about Mustango, uh, one of your equity positions? You know, Eric Sprott invested in this company as well. Talk to us about the prospectivity that the ore finder investors would get through the stake in Mustango. Sure. Well, ore finder zones 20% of Mustango, and you're right, Mr. Sprott came in. Um, actually, he came in on four separate occasions this year, two times into ore finders and two times into Mustango. And uh, Mistango uh, has $4 million in its treasury right now. It announced a $3 million financing contemporaneously. It announced the same day as the ore finders. It's a broker deal done by Echelon, and we've got large institutional names coming in. And, and I certainly hope Mr. Sprott is going to come in again. We'll, we'll make that announcement at close. And uh, it is going to be drilling. Um, it, it is in the process of defining a very substantial drill program on its uh, Ebby Baldwin project, which is directly beside the Macasta mine, which I told you about, that 400,000-ounce, 20-gram uh, deposit that Kirkland Lake Gold owns. Um, the Ebby Baldwin, owned by Macasta, 100%, um, is right there. We believe it's in the same geologic setting, 
and uh, it's well financed to go and find a discovery on its own. If it hits, I think, you know, all, I don't say all, it's not simplistic, but uh, what Mustang was seeking is, is a couple of intersections to prove that that Kirkland Lake ore body, which I mentioned, which has been mined for nearly 100 years and is the third largest gold ore body in the world, we are trying to prove that it continues to go west onto our property. And when I say continue, I mean the Macasa is one of seven mines in history which have extracted from this uh, ore body. We believe that Mustango has the eighth and we've got, uh, we will come closing this financing, have $7 million worth of drilling to go out there and prove it. If, if we do, then oh boy, is that 20% that Orefinders owns going to be worth an awful lot. Excellent. And Pacific Precious, if you could give us your commentary on the speculative upside before we conclude. Sure. Well, that is a, uh, what's going to happen there is Orefinders owns 10 million shares. It's going to dividend out at least 5 million of those directly to our shareholders as a part of the IPO process. So Orefinder shareholders can expect a zero cost based dividend coming to them and then and, and by the end of the year. It owns a project called the Golden Trend, which is again contiguous like we, I guess we like contiguous projects, but this, uh, this project is contiguous to the Gold Rush, which is a uh, nearly a 15 million ounce, 10 grand per ton monster deposit owned by Nevada Gold Mines, which is the JV between Barrick and Gold Rush. This is a monster mine. Uh, we believe we are in the same geological context. This is in the Cortez trend. It is really, you know, the 90, uh, you know, Beverly Hills 90210 zip code to be in in gold, uh, gold mining area. Um, so that is a very prospective project that that uh, Pacific Precious is going to raise money for in the very near term and put some holes in there and trying to find a deposit. Uh, addition to that, you can expect the leadership led by Ron Stewart to go out and acquire additional projects. We love Nevada. Well, we love, first of all, I love Ontario. I love Quebec. There's no better place to do business. If we're going to do business anywhere else, it would be in Nevada. And so that's giving us and or finder shareholders direct exposure to, to Nevada. As I said, I think with an enterprise value of about $10 million Canadian, just with the fundamental value within the company, I find that compelling. And then Stephen, just to recap here with your position in Pacific Precious, Mistango, and the three projects, how many projects will be drilled, let's say, within the next sixth month and potentially more value created? I think once we close this financing, we're going to be drilling in just a, a matter of days. I don't anticipate we'll stop drilling for the next six to nine months. That's that's my plan. So we're going to start drilling on the night. All right, we're probably going to double that to 10,000. We're going to have at least six, seven, eight thousand on McGarry. And then last, we're going to drill on Murado, which is, you know, certainly, uh, which our first project we had, but certainly um, not doesn't deserve to be mentioned last. Uh, those three projects are going to get an awful lot of attention. As I said off the top, we spent a, a, an awful lot of work putting together this portfolio um, with the idea that when the time is right, we're going to raise money and put it into the ground. Um, and the time is now. And so, you know, our, our shareholders can expect us to, to do exactly what we said we're going to do, and we'll see if Mother Nature cooperates. And we get the exposure through Mistango and Pacific Precious and those drills turning as well. Well, this is what I look for in a junior mining company, an attractive valuation for my entry spot, as well as catalyst uh, in the near term. And there's several catalysts, many drills turning, as you saw. This is why I'm coming in through this private placement 
We'll also be following up and covering Orfinders as they're a new show sponsor. To learn more, go to orfinders.ca. And if you're in the States and would like to purchase on the OTC, find it under the ticker ORFDF or in Toronto under the ticker ORX. Thanks for giving us an overview today, Stephen, and I look forward to updates in the near future. Great, Bill. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10 for 1 returns as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident and just do your work as best you can. Do your very best, but don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents, but it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on MiningStockEducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.